Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Bogtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com. And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Extraordinary People. Today, our special guest is Aparna Parthasarathy. And Aparna is a high school senior passionate about remedying structural inequalities, closing educational gaps, and representing Generation Z's values to shape legislation with elected officials. Aparna is a literary advocate and author of Tales of the Invisible, a book that addresses the intersectionality of feminism and the importance of representation. These stories were inspired through experiences at Warmapura, an organization dedicated to advancing the economic position of female weavers in Peru. Aparna served as a board member of She's the First and was nominated as a liaison to the local women's commission and as a youth advisor for the town center for domestic violence and educates peers on dating violence and women's empowerment. Aparna is on the executive board of Model UN educating younger students on foreign affairs and international relations, and is a state advocacy lead for Students Taking Action Now, Darfur, and contributes to increasing awareness on human rights crises and ending genocide. She's also the founder of Polytext, an organization that focuses on civil education among young adults and the importance of political knowledge, and has been awarded the Presidential Volunteer Service Gold Award. Welcome, Aparna. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We met at a author's book signing in our town, and I was quite impressed by you because you have such a level of activism that most people twice or three times your age have not achieved. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you are currently doing? Is Are you a high school senior now? Yes, I'm currently a high school senior. So I'll be graduating high school in six months or so. And currently I have plans to attend Barnard College of Columbia University for the next four years. And I'm hoping to major in political science and gender studies while I'm there and go to law school after that. That's terrific. How did you ever find the time? Because I know applying to schools and such a caliber of schools that I know you've been applying to is so stressful and so time consuming and your regular load of classes. So how did you find the time? It was honestly a lot. I think a lot of it was probably just Google Calendar and I was I tried to cram in as much work as possible whenever I could like in classes or if I had 30 minutes to spare I would be doing either homework or college applications. I guess it paid off. I've been doing that work for a long time been trying to cram in as many internships and assignments in the past 4 years as possible to increase not just my impact on my community but for me to gain experiences that I haven't before. And so I think it's something that I 
gotten a little used to, but I'm like finally happy to like say that I can like take a little bit of a breather and not be as stressed about that kind of stuff anymore. That's great. I know that two of my three sons were involved with Model UN at the high school in East Brunswick. Is that where you are in East Brunswick? I'm in South Brunswick, actually. Oh, you were in South Brunswick. Okay. And they were involved the year and they really got a lot out of the experience and one actually pursued government work. But what do you think influenced you to really pursue this field? I think it was a lot of different things. The first thing that I think introduced me to feminism was just seeing so many young feminists when I was 10 or 11 years old, seeing people like Malala Yousafzai really pushing the boundaries and getting her voice out there. It was something in me that's like, this is what I should be doing. And I think it's something that's so incredibly important. I find that working in politics, working with women's rights, there's such tangible benefits that you can see by helping the people of your community, by helping women around the entire world. And I think making an impact on as many people as possible is something that I'm incredibly passionate about because there's so many atrocities going on in our world today. And it's important that there are people who are able to say that it needs to end and there needs to be change in the world. And I see that you are particularly passionate about women's rights. And that is something in our country, believe it or not, we are struggling with ourselves What aspect of women's rights really is something that you can feel you can make a difference in? I think one of the biggest causes of women's rights that I've been involved in is probably domestic violence and sexual assault, especially as a young person, seeing my peers, my generation go forward into the real world. We're all graduating. We're going to be confronted with more real world problems. I take my positions on She's the First and part of my town center for empowerment to teach my peers about sexual assault and sexual violence and teen dating violence, because I think it's so important that women today have a voice to realize what is healthy and what is not healthy. And it's so important that I try to help empower young women to get rid of toxic relationships or to understand what is good for them and to pursue those relationships in that state of mind. And I think that's something that I am so incredibly passionate about. That's great. Are your views shared by most of the females that you encounter, most of your peers? Or do you think that it's really necessary to push the message because perhaps some people don't know about the struggles really, or haven't encountered the struggles yet. I'm just wondering if there are others like you, or do you feel that you really have to recruit people to get that knowledge out there? I think with this rising age of social media, I think it's definitely a message that's not just something that I'm getting out there, but women across the entire world are getting out. I will say living where I do, I'm part of a very tight-knit South Asian community. And In communities like this, it's often very silenced. There is a stigma around speaking out about domestic violence, about sexual assault. And especially in a place like my high school, where everyone is incredibly competitive and driven and is entirely thinking about changing the world and trying to help 
increase the lives of the disenfranchised. I find that it is important to be able to spread this message and to show people that there are like bigger things going on than the test that you just took 20 minutes ago and that there are people that are truly struggling and that you can get help if you need to and just to make people more aware of what's going on. But I think that it is definitely something that is coming out a lot more. I think especially very recently seeing an example with something like the Golden Globes that just happened, how I think when the announcers made a couple of misogynistic jokes and I think like social media really came at him and said that what he was doing wasn't okay. And I think that's what's so beautiful about social media. While there are cons to it, I find that it really has helped women find a voice and find a community online. You've talked about social media, and we know that social media certainly has its benefits to getting these messages out. But there are drawbacks, and we know that too. I was wondering, you know, with Twitter being taken over and it's become a lot more open and therefore more problems with that. Have you encountered anything on social media that you feel is something that has presented an obstacle to you? I think one of the harmful effects of social media is definitely a general spread of misinformation. I think, especially with people of my age, we're going into this world. I think a lot of us are very trusting of maybe 20, 30 year old on like apps like TikTok or Twitter, Instagram, trying to give advice and they could be spreading misinformation. And it's so quick for that information to spread and for people to get incorrect notions put in their head. So I think trying to make sure that the information that is shared is amongst people through social media is accurate, I think is something that is definitely a challenge that is posed to my generation, to future generations, because it's so important that we use social media for the good benefits and not just to spread information and to hate and to utilize cancel culture. Most of your time, I believe, is spent in school as a student. And so I'd like to get your inside view I'm sure none of your teachers are listening to this, but I'd like to get your inside view on, do you believe that students are currently being offered enough as far as an education in current social policies? And I know we're treading on very risky ground here because there are so many diverse opinions on what is going on in the world, in the government, in the greater society. But do you think that you are getting that education now? And do you think there is any more that can be done to offer students that very, very important outlet? I would say my school has been making attempts to increase specifically social studies classes. My school is heavily involved in STEM. A lot of my peers want to go into the STEM field, want to become engineers or doctors or dentists and things like that. And I think there is a large push from the department to try and increase the number of social studies classes offered. And I think that's not just within my school, but I think there's a national push for it. I think recently College Board, which creates all the AP tests, I think they created an African-American history AP class, which I think is so incredibly important. And 
is so important for representation and allowing people to see sides of history that haven't been shown before and are very briefly touched upon. But I think there is a problem in getting people to take social studies classes and to take classes involving current events and social politics because people who aren't maybe going into that field don't see it as use for them and they don't want to take these classes because they think it wastes their time and they would rather take a more difficult STEM AP class, which is something that I'm definitely seeing a lot with my own friends who want to pursue STEM, that they don't take a lot of these social studies classes. And I think it's something that is very hard, especially as schools are getting budget cuts. A lot of social studies classes end up getting cut. But I think it's important that more and more classes are offered to students so that there can be one singular class that can pique a student's attention and like they'll want to take it and it might spark a new passion within them. Doesn't mean that they have to take every single social studies class, every government class possible. But if there's one class out there that is able to speak to a person, is able to teach them something that they don't know, I think that's so incredibly important. And I actually am working towards this within my own school because currently I'm in the process of creating a curriculum for a feminism class at my high school after noticing that it doesn't really exist. There's not a class that targets women's rights. And women are really only spoken about within American history and the suffragette movement. And that's pretty much it. I've been working with teachers and the social department at my high school to help create a class centered around feminism and global feminism specifically to help bring awareness to the issues of women around the entire world. That's very noteworthy, truly is. As I said, you really have an impressive resume here. So I think you're in a good position to offer a little bit of advice to students who are starting the path in high school and might be interested in this field. What can they do in the school, but also in society, outside of the school? What kinds of things can they volunteer for that you've seen are available out there? One of my first interactions with definitely government and public speaking and the and more like humanitarian issues is definitely Model UN. I think most high schools do have some form of a Model UN club or a class. And I think I truly value my experience from that. I've learned so much about the world from this club and from the conferences that I've been to. And I think it's definitely one of those experiences that I will take with me forever and something that I hope to pursue in college as well. And getting involved in small things like that, government clubs, classes, just within your high school can really help you to understand what's going on in the world because it's so important before you start actually making a change that you know what's going on and what are the historical impacts and what caused for women's rights to not be as important of an issue or what caused for Native Americans to not be spoken about publicly in the media. And then I think after that, there are always organizations that are looking for young high schoolers, like volunteers and interns who are hungry to make a change. And I saw this a lot, specifically my freshman year when I was campaigning for my local assembly men and women and my senders. And there were so many people that wanted to respond to young people who are passionate about policy, that were passionate about truly helping their community. And I saw specifically like knocking on the doors of my community and seeing people want to talk to us because we are passionate about changing the community and we may have a larger impact than someone that is older and doesn't have 
as much of passion for it. So I think just going out there and trying your best to be involved in your community, be involved in community organizations, I think really helps create an impact because anything big or small, working in any kind of government, any kind of human rights organization, even if it's like something as like volunteering for Amnesty International, which I know is a large organization, but they're always looking for volunteers, I think is so important and can really help you get introduced to this field and to maybe make some more connections and learn about what you might possibly want to do. That's a great idea. As if you had all this time on your hands, you've also written a book. And can you tell us a little bit about your book? Tales of the Invisible is essentially a collection of four short stories about women of varying ages in different countries. So there's a young girl in Peru, she's seven or eight, and it's kind of a story about her and her mother and their relationship. And then there's another young girl who's about 16 or 17 in Nepal, and it's about her and her education and the women's rights issues facing Nepal. And it's like about acid attacks and women being unable to get an education. And then there's a story about a woman in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And it's set around World War II when they actually had attacks for women who were single because they were considered to be prostitutes, which I, when I was doing my research or something, I found so incredibly shocking. And then there's another older woman in Mali and she's telling her story to these children and reflecting on her life. Through these four stories, I just wanted to highlight the strength and the resilience and the power of women and being able to conquer what they do and the age and location are not boundaries for women that we all have this subtle power and strength that connects us all. If anyone is interested in getting your book, how would we go about doing that? It's on Amazon and it is also in Barnes and Nobles. And I think it's on a bunch of other sites as well. It's on Goodreads and all those different places. So you can definitely find it online. Okay, that's nice and easy. Yes. And it's not a very long book, but it is really compelling reading. Okay, so I've got the book and I can vouch for that myself. I know you have your sights on your next phase of life, which is entering college. And that's going to be, I'm sure, a very exciting and stimulating path for you. What do you look forward to about going to Barnard? I think one of the main things is just being in a community of people who all have the same philosophy that I do. So Barnard is a women's college and it's a women's college that's like part of Columbia University. So it's both associated with Columbia, but then it also has its own like small women's community, which I think is so important because the Barnard history is all about empowering women, about creating strong female leaders. And I'm so excited to be part of a community of women that are all hoping to empower each other in some way or the other. That's something that I'm really excited about. And also being able to take classes that I like actually want to take and not have to (laughs) take classes just because I have to. In high school, I have to take biology and chemistry because I have to in order to graduate. And we all did. And I'm happy to be able to take classes about things that I'm actually interested in and to actually want to and to be like part of these classes that I think that's something that I'm incredibly excited for. And I think you'll be truly a great participant. What do you see? You have a bright future ahead of you, I'm sure. If you could have a crystal ball, what would you see yourself doing 10 years from now? 
So when I'm 28, I hope that I will be a lawyer, hopefully for some kind of women's rights organization, helping women around the world, or even if that's not possible, helping out at like local domestic violence shelters, helping women through court proceedings and legal proceedings and helping guide them through that process and being an advocate for women, I think is something that I would really hope that I'm doing in 10 years. That's great. Just a noble cause. Well, you're probably the youngest person that I've interviewed on this podcast, but you're certainly one of the most extraordinary people. And you're a role model for not only your peers, but I think for all women, truly, to be an active part of society. And I think you'd agree you don't have to be 18. You can be any age to make a difference. I just want to thank you today for speaking with me. And I know we're going to be hearing great things from you, Aparna. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Extraordinary People. To learn more about Shirley Wachtell and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtell.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People. Extraordinary People.